So we've been looking at words that are foundational in the Christian faith, okay? And we've been looking at the first time they were used in Scripture, using the Hebrew rule of first use, meaning that the first time that, that God in His sovereign wisdom used words in Scripture for the first time with them to, the, the meaning they are first used with to carry through the meaning for the rest of the time that word is used, okay? So two weeks ago, we looked at love. The first time love was used was to describe the, the affection uh, that Abraham felt towards his son Isaac as God was asking him to sacrifice him. And then last week we looked at the word worship and we looked at that that was also used the first time in the story of Abraham and Isaac when Abraham said we will go worship, the boy and I will go worship. And this week we are looking at the word faith. So if we look at these three words, love, worship, and faith, we can see that they are three major pillars in what it means to be a Christian, right? Like those are three foundational pieces of Christianity. So I want to ask you guys, when you think of the word faith, what comes to mind? Hope. Believing in things without seeing them. Okay. Something else. There's no wrong answers here. When you hear faith, what do you think of? Well, it's a type of trust. Okay, trust. Jesus. Like, I mean, there, there's like, what do you guys think of when you hear faith? Trusting without evidence. Trusting without evidence. <clears throat> Okay, so I think faith, belief, trust, like those words can kind of be used interchangeably, right? Like if I had faith in you to do something, I would also have a belief that you would do it or a trust that you would do it, right? We can use those words. Multiple of you said something that I find really interesting. You said believing in something without seeing it or without evidence or something. Does faith have to have a component of blindness? So how many say yes, that, that to have true faith, there has to be some part that is unknown. Okay. How many say no, you can have faith without an unknown. How many of you are like, I don't know. It is unknown. I I <laughs> how about, so yes, unknown, no unknown, or it is unknown. Okay. <clears throat> so we're kind of split. We're, we're kind of divided. We don't know. <clears throat> well, I think a lot of people. And it's why it's brought up, and I, and I think even maybe some of you who said it doesn't have to have any component of blindness may or be or only saying that because I brought it up. No, but, <laughs> okay, but honestly, I feel like faith is like the opposite of needing a component of blindness in the fact that faith can't exist without any sort of unknown. Let me say that again, because that, that may have sounded confusing. Faith can only exist when there is no unknown. So there is no such thing as blind faith. And, and I, I think the fact that we have the term blind faith indicates exactly what I'm saying, right? If, if blind faith were just faith, we wouldn't call it blind faith, right? Does that make sense? So faith is doing something... For a reason or with a known amount. 
So why would I have faith in something for no reason? Right? Like if I said, hey, Jacob, will you go get me a water bottle? I have faith that you're going to actually go get me a water bottle. Why do I think that? I have a reason to believe that Jacob would go do that. Maybe Jacob likes me. Maybe he's scared of me. Maybe whatever. I don't know. But I have a reason to believe if I ask Jacob to go get me a water bottle, that he's going to go get me a water bottle. Right? That's having faith. I have some sort of reasoning behind it. We can have varying amounts of reasoning. Like I could believe that someone's going to do it just because I know them. Like I could ask someone that I don't know that well in here to go get me a water bottle. And I could have faith that they're going to do it just because they're here and I asked them to. Or I can have faith because I've had someone who has continually done things that I've asked them to. So there can be varying amounts of reasoning But we have to have some reasoning to have faith. Does that make sense? Like it doesn't make sense to have faith without any reason. Are you guys following me? You guys look dead in the water right now. Okay. It makes sense that we have to have reason to have faith. We don't just believe that God is who he said he is for no reason. Right? We don't have faith in God for no reason. We have reason to believe that God exists. So... We can all agree that faith is a central component to Christianity, right? Like that's why we call it the Christian faith. I even said that earlier. And so many people refer to their Christianity as their faith. Everybody say, people say, oh yeah, in my faith or like, you know, I have the Christian faith or, or whatnot. But I don't think this word, I don't think this word faith really means what many of us think it means. And so tonight, we're going to look at this word faith, how it's first used in Scripture. And I'm hoping in some way to kind of restructure the way that you think about the word faith. And I hope that you have a newfound understanding of what faith in God means for you in the context of your life. <clears throat> so we, uh, we've talked at length about this Hebrew rule of first use. And the origin of words and how important that was to the Israelites and to the people who spoke the Hebrew language. So, where is the first time in scripture we see the word faith? Anyone want to take a guess at what book it's in? Huh? Revelation, no. Genesis, we're going with Genesis for all three? Okay, that would be a wrong guess. Okay. Exodus, how many of you guys think it's Exodus? Okay. Okay, it's Exodus. Okay. <laughs> so, so, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The fact that it's not in Genesis is really crazy because we think of all the people who showed great faith in God in that book, right? You look at Noah, had great faith in God. Abraham, We've looked at him the last two weeks and the faith he had in God that he's willing to sacrifice his son Isaac. We have Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all five of these people, their stories are laid out in the book of Genesis. But yet nowhere do we see this word faith, this Hebrew word for faith. And I say Hebrew word because you'll see why in a second. Five prominent figures and examples of astonishing faith in God. And yet the word, the Hebrew word for faith is not used once throughout the book of Genesis. 
So then we jump to Moses and we see the faith of Moses's mother to put him in a basket and send him down the river. We see the faith of Moses himself as he goes into the wilderness and comes back to lead his people out of Egypt. We see the faithful, the faith of his brother Aaron to be the mouthpiece uh, for the Israelites to lead them out of Egypt. We see the faith of the Israelite people as a whole as they sacrifice and do the Passover, right? They, we, most of you guys probably know this story. And then we see again the great faith of the Israelite people as they cross the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea. Yet through all these points, the word faith is never used. <clears throat> the Hebrew word for faith is not used until Exodus 17. Which, I'm going to be honest with you guys, Exodus 17 is a story that probably most of you have not heard. In fact, I didn't hear it until I was in college. And I spent a lot of time of junior high kid. I grew up in church, junior high, high school. I was at church every time it was open. And I never heard this story until I was in high school. So don't be shocked if you've never heard the story. They didn't make a Veggie Tales about it. So, <laughs> so we're going to be in Exodus 17. If you have your Bibles, which you should, turn to Exodus 17. And I'm going to read verses 8 through 13. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men to go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Okay, game makes a little more sense now, right? A little context. Let me ask you this, though. Did you see the word faith in there? You didn't? Did you read it in Hebrew? No, you read it in English? Yeah, I read it in English too. The English word faith is not in this passage, right? So it could come as a shock to some of you that I'm going to sit here and I'm going to claim that this is the first time that the word faith is used in Scripture. Because if you look, actually, the Hebrew word for faith is used in this passage. It's a word that can be, it can be translated as faith. It can be translated as steadfastness, and it can be translated as it is in this passage as steady. Do we see that word now? Verse 12. Okay. <clears throat> the Hebrew word translated as steady in this passage is the same word used for faith. Now, all of a sudden, we see this word. That maybe coming into tonight, many of you guys thought that faith meant a blind belief. And we see this word that maybe you thought meant a blind 
a blind believing of something bigger than you, a blind believing of something, and instead you're reading tonight or hearing tonight that this word faith actually means something that is steady or constant, right? It's almost the opposite. Instead of it being something you're very unsure about, it's something you're very solidified or feel strongly and steady in. Guys, being steady in something and being blindly hopeful are, are not the same thing. So, so the way that faith is used here and the way that our, our culture tends to view faith are not the same thing. Do we, do we see that right here? We, we've already uncovered that what we know about this word faith is not the way that God has intended for it to be used by his people. We look, we look back at all the people listed for Genesis all these heroes of faith in God. And we see one thing in common about their faith. Their faith always, always leads them to action. Guys, faith in God is not some thought or insight or story that we can remember and hope is right. That's not what faith in God is. And, and, I, and I think it's so sad. And I, and I see the numbers of how many, how many teenagers leave the church after they graduate high school. And it's because our church perpetuates this idea that faith is just hoping that the story of Jesus is true. I, I mean, that's really what we do, right? We can all sit in here and go... Yeah, that, that's what's happened in my church experience. We teach you this story of Jesus and we hope that you believe it to some extent is true. Right? That's how the church more or less functions. Guys, faith is not that. Faith is being so rooted in what you believe. Being so, as this terminology uses it, steady in what you believe. That you are led to action for Jesus. <clears throat> there is a consistency or, or to use the other translation of this word, a steadfastness in the faith that these people show that God is translating their faith into action. So we look, we look at these people, Abraham, for example, he had faith in God. He didn't just sit around and be like, yeah, I know every memory verse in the Bible. I can tell you every Bible story. I know all the VeggieTales songs. Um, like, that's not what Abraham sat around to do. D dude, did. Okay? Abraham acted on his faith. When God said, take your son Isaac and sacrifice him, he didn't go, yeah, but God, this is my only son, and you kind of promised him to me, so I'm not going to. He said, let's go. Guys, that's the difference between faith that we have people have today is they want to like bargain with God and negotiate with God. And they don't always want to do what God asked them to do in the moment that he asked them to do it. But back then, these people, these faith, the, this idea of faith that it's talking about in the Old Testament, these people were asked to do something and they did it. God called them to do something and they did it. <clears throat> There's a consistency in the faith, and God turns that into action. And this makes sense, right? Because if we have a fully steady faith and a belief in God and his plan for our life, then we have nothing to fear. 
right? If you 100% fully sold out, believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he came and he died for your sins so that you can spend eternity with heaven in heaven with him. And that God has this ultimate plan worked out for you. And that God works everything for the good of those who trust him and are called according to his purpose. Then why would we ever be afraid to do what God has called us to do? Why? It it makes sense that people who have a true and unwavering and a steady faith in God act upon that faith. Think, I'm going to go back, and I go back to the story just because we've talked about it for the last two weeks, but think about that story of Abraham and Isaac. <clears throat> Isaac turns to his dad and says, where's the lamb? And Abraham, without missing a beat, says, the Lord will provide. Guys, when he says the Lord will provide, this is not a hope or a wish This is Abraham saying with the utmost confidence that God will provide in that situation. He didn't know if God was going to provide a different sacrifice or if God was providing Isaac as the sacrifice. But he knew in all confidence that God would provide what was God's will. Imagine what would change in your life if you lived your life with a faith that wasn't a blind faith, but was rather a steady faith. If you felt God calling you to do something, you did it and didn't question it. What if when you read your Bible or you hear it, you hear teaching from scripture and it tells you to act a certain way, you did it and you never questioned God. Would your life look differently? I think for all of us, that's a resounding yes. All of us have a faith that is built on hope and convenience rather than a faith that is built on steadfastness. And this is why our society and our world has lost the true meaning of what biblical faith is. Um, I kind of feel like it was easier for them to like have steadfast like faith because they actually had a visual of God. Like, Not all of them did. Face to face. Not all of them did. We can talk about that, but <clears throat> guys, we we look at the Israelites' view of faith. And it's vastly different than what we have today. And and this wasn't just through, you know, the time of Moses and Joshua. This wasn't just through the Old Testament. This was through Scripture. Look all the way to a passage towards the end of the Bible in Hebrews 11. I'm not going to have you turn there. You can read it on your own. But Hebrews 11 is known as the hall of faith. And if you read it, it says, by faith, so-and-so did this. So it'd be like, by faith, Noah built the ark. By faith, 
Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac by faith. And it lists, and and I'm telling you right now, there are a slew of men and women from Scripture in Hebrews 11 that you could read about and point back and probably relate to their situation that could be something that you guys look. So I, I challenge you or I implore you to read Hebrews 11. <clears throat> look at their stories. But we look in this, in this passage of Hebrews 11 and what makes these people the quote unquote hall of faith? What makes them icons of faith? And remember the book Hebrews is called Hebrews because it's written to the Hebrews, right? Okay. So these are people who understand this rule of first use and they understand that faith does not mean this fluid, hopey, wishy, like blind faith that we think of it today. They believe that faith means something that is steady and sound and steadfast. So why is the writer of Hebrews 11 calling these people icons? What, what made them icons to the Hebrew people? It doesn't say that Noah had faith because he believed the Bible. It doesn't say that King David had faith because he memorized scripture. These people aren't in this chapter because of what they believed. They're in this hall of faith because the, they took action on what they believed. Do you see the difference there? It's one thing to believe that God exists and that Jesus is his son and died for you. And it's another thing to believe that so strongly that you serve him with every ounce of who you are. You got to keep in mind that for the Hebrews, faith always was demonstrated by actions and in imitating God. Guys, we have to be people who do the same thing with our lives. We we serve a God who is a doer. We serve a God who does. We look at what God does. God loves, God shepherds, God listens, God creates, God even rests. Like God does, right? We do not serve a God who just sits around and does nothing. We serve a God who does. And if this is how God acts, then it's how we should respond to him with our own actions. Guys, this moves us from Christians who just have their facts right to Christians who always have their actions right. Do you see the difference there? Christians who know all the answers and Christians who live a Christ-like life. Guys, I I think I speak for all of us in here that we know a lot of people who know a lot of things about the Bible, can even quote some scripture, but man, their life does not reflect what God has called them to do. Or or how about you see, I always think of this like on senior night or at homecoming, and I don't know if your schools do this, mine always did, but they like, they like tell the bio, like you get to write a little bio about like all the clubs you're in and who you'd like to thank and everything that they read. And you, you hear these people who you've gone to school with for 12 years and they are like the most vulgar, inappropriate, bad kid that there ever was. And then on senior night, they're like, he would like to thank God. And you're like, This kid knows who God is. His life does not reflect 
that he even has any idea of who God is. I think you guys all know exactly what I'm talking about. This mindset of viewing faith as something that is steady and strong and something to build on is the difference between Christians who just know the facts and Christians who act like they know the facts. Your behavior, your actions are a direct indicator of the the spiritual orientation of your heart. The way that you have trained your heart, the way that you have focused your heart, the things that are in your heart are directly shown by the way that you behave. If you want to know what the root of your heart is, look at the fruit of your life. If your life looks like the rest of the world around you, guys, your heart is rooted in worldly things. Selfishness, corruptness, a lost world. If your life looks like the world around you, your heart's rooted in the world. But if your life looks completely different from the world, almost like weird and wrong to the rest of the world, that means your heart is rooted in something that is not of this world. Now, I'm not going to guarantee it's God. There's, there's people who could live a weird life and their, their heart is not rooted in God, but it's not rooted in the world. Your life, if your heart is truly rooted in who God is and what he has called you to do, your life should look so different than what this world says it should look like. And that's scary, and it makes you stand out, and it makes you look weird, and it makes you look wrong, and it's uncomfortable. I get that. But if you truly have faith that God is who he said he is and that he has a plan for you, And that you are called to do his plan. Guys, it's time to stop being little kids that just believe that God exists. You guys are teenagers. You're, You're about to be like adults who are living out on your own. Doing your own thing. Not connected to your parents. I mean, you'll still be connected to them. But like, you guys are about to be your own individuals. It's time to stop being kids and and allow what you truly believe in life. And what I hope is your Christian faith that is super strong and steadfast and steady to be the thing that dictates the way that you live your life in serving God. Man, I don't know how many of you guys in here feel like tonight God is saying, I need to turn my life around. I need to make some different choices. I need to make some different actions. I need to serve God the way that he's called me to do. I don't know. I don't know who that is in here tonight. But it's time to stop being people who believe that faith has uncertainty in it. To be followers of God who are steady and steadfast in your faithfulness to God. People who don't just believe facts, stories, But rather know the truth and allow the truth to fuel their actions. Guys, if if you're sitting here tonight and you're like, man, God is 
kicking my butt right now telling me that I need to change the way that I'm living my life for him. Man, come talk to someone, please. Let us help you, like, make those decisions. Let, find someone who will keep you accountable. Like, that's like, hey, you know what? I really struggle when I get around this group of friends. I start saying things I shouldn't say. I start looking at things I shouldn't look at. I start acting ways that I shouldn't act. Man, when I get around them, remind me that God has called me to be above that. Help me. It, it, guys, having someone who keeps you accountable, I'm happy to do that. I understand it's kind of weird. You guys are teens. I'm an adult-ish, I guess. Man, professional man-child. <laughs> professional man-child, okay? I get that it can be weird to, to have me as someone who keeps you accountable, but I'm happy to do it. Man, find someone. We looked at this story of Moses keeping his hands up and the Israelites are winning the battle. And he puts his hands down. They lose. So what do they do? Aaron and her come over. And they hold his arms up. You guys just experienced this. Okay? You, you get the... How much easier was it for you guys that were holding your hands up when someone was holding your arms up for you? You could re- relax your shoulders. We are called to be people who have each other's back in faith, right? So find someone to help keep you accountable, keep you on track for who God's called you to be. I'm going to pray for you guys, and then we are going to get out of here. God, thank you so much for these students. Thank you so much for the call that you've placed on our life. And I pray that you would help us to be those people to act out our faith in you, that we would be steady in our faith so much so that our actions would just show the world that our hearts are rooted in your word, God. I thank you for your call on our lives, that you have a plan in place for each and every one of these students. And I pray that you would help them all to embrace that and to strive to be the people that you've called them to be with everything that they do, God. God, we praise you tonight. We thank you for these origins of these words that we've looked at. God, we we thank you for all that you do for us. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.